All right, welcome to the latest edition of Hear That Podcast. Growl and Paul Inner Jr., Jay Morrison of The Athletic are here with you. After our, uh, we're back from the quadcast. I loved that. A, a, a follower called it that. And I was like, why didn't we think of that, Jay? <laughs> that is a great name. The quadcast. It sounds like podcast, but it's quad. It was, it was right there for us. We missed. It was. Swing and a miss. Swing, big swing and a miss. Uh, but no, it, so we're last year, uh, last week, I hope everybody enjoyed that. I really, I, I really enjoyed letting some of those guys, uh, that is some that people don't necessarily hear from all the time, um, stretch out a little bit and, and get a feel for their view on this team and the season and, and, and philosophy and all kinds of stuff. Um, so I want to thank again. If you haven't listened, I highly recommend, uh, especially if you liked the behind the scenes story, uh, that has been up and, and, and a lot of people have been talking about right now. There's a lot of those same voices that are in there, um, talking much more in depth about a lot of that stuff from the podcast, the quadcast last week, which was, uh, director of college scouting, Mike Potts, um, Brian Callahan, offensive coordinator, CJ Uzama, Bengals tight end, and of course the the fan, uh, our guy Bobby Slattery, owner of Fifty West, otherwise known as Optimistic Bobby, who I had a, so many people uh, send messages saying, "Man, I love the Bobby podcast. That guy, he just, he's just, he's how I feel. He's so, it's unbelievable to hear that optimism. Uh, like it was truly, I think, contagious for some people that, uh, listened to that. But thanks to all of them for, for joining last week and, and doing that. And, uh, we're happy to be back this week and dive right in. Cause there is a lot of meat on the bone this week, Jay. There is. Uh, going back to Bobby though, I, you know, I, I think, I think there are a lot of Bengal fans out there that are like him and they're, they're afraid to express that optimism because <laughs> there's so many, the cynics in, in the, in, especially when they have that platform on Twitter. Or, are so much louder and so much more prevalent, but, but maybe, maybe your interview with Bobby is going to be the spark to bring some of these guys out of, out in the open and, and let them not be afraid to be optimistic. That or Joe Burrow. Or, or both. <laughs> or maybe the arrival of Joe Burrow. I do love the vision of like Bengals fans pushing over rocks from caves they've been in for the last five years, you know, watching on a, the old TV with like three dials and rabbit ears. <laughs> They've been watching ba- football games in there, growing beards, and they finally f- open it, open it up, and the light hits them in the face, like the the dude in the movies that comes out of the strip club at seven a.m. You know, <laughs> and they're like, "Oh, I'm here to be an open Bengals fan again." Uh, I do, I think I think we are entering that portion of the program right now. Uh, but let, so let's let's a quick rundown. I, I want to kind of dive into the story behind the story, uh, my the the piece about uh, sort of the background of the entire off season and, and a lot of guys taking behind the scenes in, into what how the Bengals sort of transformed this roster overhaul. If you if you're a regular listener to the podcast, you you've read a lot of that stuff or heard a lot of that stuff maybe, uh, but that maybe is the first time you saw kind of it all put together along with some new pieces. So uh, there's a few things that I think we should that are, are worth diving into there for sure. We obviously going to talk about Andy Dalton, um, the move, the release. The reaction to that, the Dallas landing spot, um, and we got a run passer boot in there with that. Uh, we will talk briefly about John Ross, uh, the decision we all knew what was coming, but uh, maybe what his future is a little bit. And schedule release this week, schedule release for a schedule that we don't know is going to be the schedule. So they technically had, when they announced announced that they're going to have the announcement of the schedule, it was the announcement of the announcement of the schedule that we don't know is going to be the schedule. So what are we really announcing? Best case scenario, I guess is what it is. Yes, we are. We are. Well, you know, and and we'll dive into some of those scenarios that are out there that a lot of good reporters have been kind of laying out some of the options that the NFL is looking at and and considering. So a lot of, like I said, a lot of me on the bone, a lot to get to. Well, let's start um, with the story. You know, I, I thought, there's a, there's a few things that that stuck out to me that I really wanted to hammer home in this piece that and that I I don't know um, were necessarily so obvious 
And it's easy to say in retrospect, this was our plan, right? Like, mm-hmm. if you're trying to sell, oh, that was our plan all along to, you know, not fill an offensive line need. Um, it, it It's easy to say that. But I, you know, in talking and, you know, Jay – We've we've had these conversations throughout the offseason, all the way back to the beginning of January, Mobile, the Combine, with people where this legitimately has been the very much the blueprint of their plan is the way that it sort of played out. You know, they early on expressed concerns with this cornerback class and early on expressed uh, confidence in the linebacker draft class and put that plan together for the way they attacked free agency. And that's exactly how we saw it played out. And it played out really well for them. Um, but, I, you know, I do think that this wasn't a hindsight, let's make it look like our this was our plan the whole long. It legitimately was the entire time through. Yeah, and it, it's it, it's interesting. There, there were – it wasn't like it was a concrete plan. I, I thought it was interesting in your piece and Mike Potts talking about – how that they they knew that there was more depth than what people were giving the linebacker class credit for, but they they also it wasn't like they were just going to totally eschew the idea of getting a linebacker in free agency. They had some guys targeted, and they put caps on what they were willing to spend for those guys, and the market went crazy. And they said, "Okay, we we've got." I don't know if you call it a backup plan, but we've got plan A1 and we're just going to, we're not going to spend crazy on these guys. We're going to, we're going to embrace the depth and, and get some linebackers mid round. And then that's how it ended up playing out. Cause we all, everybody thought, you know, the, the Schofield from, um, or Schobert, I'm sorry, Schobert from Cleveland, Martinez, Kwiatkowski, all those guys that they, they, we thought that they might make a run at it and they did, but, to, to have that foresight to say, okay, this is what we're willing to pay. We'll tap out here and, and we'll take our chances in the draft. It, it worked out perfectly for him. Yeah. And a question I've been asked a lot and it's sort of a, a hole in the reporting. You know how it dogs, you know how it dogs you when you have like one hole is that they targeted, they had four primary targets and hit on three of them. I don't know the fourth for certain. Um, I have if I were if I were making an, a very educated guess and putting reading the tea leaves, I think it was Kwiatkowski, and you know because I think they saw him as more attainable, and at a, a but he ended up getting more money than I think they anticipated as well. But they really liked him, and I think they wanted they, they thought he would be good. But you know, credit him, credit his agent John Thornton. They found a spot, they found his market, they got it done in Las Vegas. And that happened really fast and really early. And I think it just, it just kind of snatched that guy right out from under them. And I, I think in an ideal world, they grab him too, but inevitably it sort of opened them up for what was the luxury of getting Von Bell. And that's, you know, where, you know, it's, I thought one of the most important themes that came out of this reporting was, how much they sold the Joe Burrow vision early on and how early that was. We talked about this, uh, last week on the open to the, to the Mike Potts, uh, pot, quadcast episode. <laughs> and that was, that was, you know, him talking about how early he had solidified Joe Burrow as the guy, you know, the, the drive from Tuscaloosa to the Atlanta airport. You know, we've all done these drives. Right. You're just driving and thinking and you just, you just wish you could do anything, but all you do is just think and you're just running through stuff in your head and you just witnessed what Joe Burrow did taking LSU into Tuscaloosa for the first time in forever and doing that. And you could, like he says, you could feel his presence. You could sense that and the way he played and just to do that, um, it solidified him as number one and it was no looking back from that point forward. And, you know, and how early they realized, okay, that's it. He's the guy. Let's sell the free agency vision around him because it was just going to be so important when you're 2-14 and 14 and you're getting smeared nationally to sell something special. And really the, only, the primary thing they had to sell 
was this dude that everybody was infatuated with because all these guys watch college football. They're like everybody else. They they couldn't believe what they were watching from Joe Burrow. Who wouldn't want to be a part of that guy's next step, right? That was the best thing they had to sell. And they and they sold it. It was a big part of the vision. They had to. And that's why when people talked about trade-outs and all this other stuff, would they consider it another way? They're selling a vision. And then by that point, they'd already sold a vision. So, you know, you get into March, you get into mid-March for that whole – Month and a half for the draft, they're gonna not take Joe Burrow. They just sold 140 whatever million dollars on a, partially on a vision of this dude. So, I mean, it was just, it was never in doubt. People wanted it to be, and just, it was, it's further proof of how much that was just never, ever a thing. Yeah, and it, it, it but they had, it wasn't, it, they had Burrow to sell, but you, you've also got the, the situation where how many other teams who are picking number one overall, you could sell that, but it, in most cases, those teams are in total disarray and the Bengals were able to also sell AJ coming back and Jonah coming back. And, and the, a big important thing is money. They had so much money that they could offer these guys that, that played a big part of it too. But it is interesting that, that, that Burrow was part of, part of their pitch. And you, you wonder, I mean, maybe we'll get a chance to ask these guys once, once they all get here, how much of an impact that, that had on their decision to come to Cincinnati because it, it surely had to have some. I, I doubt anybody would say that was the number one reason, but if they're offering you as much or more money than other teams and, and you're reluctant because it's a two and 14 team, and then you've got a guy like Joe Burrow sitting there, and you, you see the potential of a, a very fast, a very realistic turnaround. Yeah, I'm sure that 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 ranked pretty high on their reasons for for eventually coming here. Yeah, and there's no doubt, and, and inevitably, and we I remember talking to 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 Duke Tobin about this back at the combine, and it was, yeah, selling. Us is sort of part of this, but really free agency eventually ends up becoming a money game. And you can, if you really want a guy, there's a pretty good chance you can buy him. You know, it's a pretty good chance there can be a number. Everybody's got a number. And I think with Waynes and with Reader, you know, they went to a number. They were just not going to, they were not going to miss on those guys. They can take hits for potent, you know, they saying they overpaid. Didn't get the, oh, you know, value, uh, I wouldn't have given them that much. Okay. They were willing to take that hit again and they weren't willing to do that at linebacker. Um, I thought, I, I actually didn't know about Mike Potts' relationship with Joe Brady, the William and Mary connection or DJ Mangus. And I, you know, so much for these guys, it's about having trusted sources, places and people that will, will cut you no bull and, and tell it real. And, you know, when you have people like that throwing those types of comps around back in August before he ever really turned his game up about the way he was wired and all that, um, that's that always that really stuck out to me long after we did that interview and, and everything was, you know, how much you can trust that. I mean, it's 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 a it's a big deal. Another uh Another thing we didn't talk about, Brad Cragthorpe um, is on the Bengals staff and was there when during uh, Joe Burrow's first year. Uh, he, so someone on Bengals staff who was there and knows him really well as well, also a part of this equation of trusted voices that you know will will set you straight and, and tell you the real. And, and obviously um, those were pretty wild comps from, from them. Yeah, and I mean the, the, the big knock on – if there was a knock on Burrow was the one hit wonder thing, which isn't really true because he, he, he had a pretty good first year at LSU and started proving his year went on. But regardless of all that, a performance, the way a guy's wired doesn't change. So if you've got guys telling you that, that this is who this guy is to his core, and then you marry that with his ability to, to learn and improve and, and put together a season like that, I mean, why, why wouldn't you? take that guy number one overall I, I i think that almost more than the film was was important in, in the reason that they, they locked in on him because like i said that's the way a guy's wired that doesn't change you, you your personality your, your makeup that that's who you are 
at this point in your life. And that, that was not going to go away. And that is exactly what this franchise has needed. It's not a knock on Andy, but he, he wasn't that, that type A personality, that, that overt leader. And this organization has been begging for someone like that. And it, you just, you combine that with what Burrow can do on the field. And yeah, just another reason it was a no brainer. Yeah. Uh, two other things I want to get to before we dip up and talk about Andy. Um, I thought the Logan Wilson versus Joe Schobert conversation was interesting. You know, when you, when you really look at, you know, Steven Radisovich saying Bengals director pro scouting in the, in the piece uh, talking about what, what's better paying 10 million plus to a guy like Joe Schobert. He's, you know, he basically said, I, I think Wilson is going to be better. I, you know, he, he's faster, um, can, you know, he's a rookie, so it's going to, you're going to have some time it's going to take, but is going to be a, a better player on, you know, and in, in only having to spend a third round pick on, I mean, they're, they're, it was a, a 10 second round for them to see it come to him, but the fact that it, he fell to them really, you know, is really the key. That really was the key piece that made the entire strategy work out was because they felt like they really did get an impact linebacker there. Would they, I think, I think if they had their druthers and before the draft started, um, they would have thought they were going to get a linebacker at 33. I think they thought Queen, Murray, or Brooks would have been there. And I think they probably thought that would have been the pick. If you, I bet if you were asking them, you know, their best guess. Um, but when those guys, when those guys went and you still get, you feel like a, just the small step down from them in Wilson in the third round and are able to get Higgins, that's when it becomes the win-win for them is that, that scenario that happened, uh, at the third for reasons that, that Steven laid out is that you feel like you're getting somebody almost as good, if not going to be better than Schobert and you're getting him in the third round. And it, it just reminds you of how much luck kind of plays into this because, you know, Zach talked about it after the draft about, or it was either after the third round pick or it was at, at the end of the draft about the, how everybody was holding their breath. And then you had it in your story about the, the exhale of relief and the, in the burst, the yelling of excitement to, to get Logan Wilson there at the top of the third because that's, if, if you're, you're hoping he's going to be there. And then as those picks keep ticking off and ticking off, um, yeah, it, it takes a little bit of luck for, for a guy that, that you really hope will be there to, to actually be there. And it, everything, I mean, from the planning to, to the luck, I mean, everything just seemed to work out for the Bengals in this draft and this offseason. And, and now that all, now that's all, all that's left is to actually do it on the field and and if there is a season that's something we'll get to later <laughs> yeah it's like every sentence can end with if there is a season at this point I mean, because it's so true it's just this massive cloud that hangs over everything the well if there's a season um obviously the nfl going full steam ahead but we you're right we'll get to that in a minute um i thought the the call to TJ Hushmanzada, who's been working out with T Higgins and saying that he, he thinks he's the next AJ and, you know, looks, it runs faster than his, t- than his time went off and, and how the, if, you know, him running on a sore hammy basically, mm-hmm. um, one that he wasn't totally comfortable with at Clemson and a slow number, um, was, it was the knock on him. You're talking about three guys that slid down to the bottom of the first round or into the second round due to slow times. You're talking about Michael Thomas, New Orleans, arguably best receiver in football right now. Devontae Adams in Green Bay, DeAndre Hopkins. Those are guys who ran four, five, seven, four, five, six range. The same thing basically that, uh, that you saw Higgins run. And if it, you, you put all the rest of the tape and the ball skills and the personality together and, and, you know, that's what you hope that you're getting, that's what you're being sold on. And, and that's the type of stuff that, that TJ Hushmanzada was talking about. It was like, don't even buy that knock. Like dude plays faster than that. Plus the way he gets in and out of cuts and all that stuff. His ball skills are an elite trait. I mean, we've talked a lot about T Higgins, but I mean, that's kind of the way to take out um, that knock a little bit. And, and if you're a Bengals fan, I mean, you, you got to like just the decision of him to run that 40 to, to not be afraid 
Um, I mean, I, it would be fascinating to, you know, kind of talk through that decision with him because you, you go out and run a 40 on a, on a sore hamstring and, and you can really set yourself back and not just with a bad time, but you can, you can re-injure it. And, and the, the fact that, he saw the urgency there to to go ahead and and take that chance and, and run it, knowing that he wasn't going to run his best. Um, I think that says a lot about a, the makeup of a guy. I, um, I, that that was one of the more interesting things that that I, I found in your story as well. Just the that if it was something he decided on his own, if it was something his agent talked him into, if it was something that the the coaches and the scouts there talked him into and said, hey, you really need to do this. Um, uh, just the fact that he was willing to do it, uh, I think says a lot about his makeup and, and what Bengal fans can be excited about when he gets here. Yeah. I mean, it was obviously something that he didn't want to do because he originally planned to do one later. I mean, mm-hmm. so it was basically he was doing something that he didn't originally want to do, but he decided, hey, it's better for me to have something and show them something rather than nothing. Uh, let's uh, let's shift gears over to, to Dalton. Um, did not see Dallas coming. <laughs> I don't think I don't think many did. Uh, but. I don't know what what did you how surprised were you Jay when when you heard Dallas? Yeah, very. But you look at it now and it's like, well, why didn't we see it? It it, it makes perfect sense now when you yeah. think about it with the situation they're in with Dak Prescott. But it was it was never on on my radar when I was trying to think of places where where he would land. And 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 you you just add in the the fact that it's home for him and. It, it gives the Cowboys all these options. Um, it, it gives them insurance. It just, again, it just, it makes so much sense now after it's happened that it's, it's kind of, I don't know, frustrating, surprising, maddening. I, I don't know why I didn't see it coming sooner. I think, and Andy was on Adam Schefter's podcast and, and talked specifically about some of the parts of that decision. And, I, when you're looking at a season that you don't know when it's going to start, we're in the middle of a global pandemic. You can just stay in your house. You know what I mean? You live mm-hmm. in Dallas. You got your home in Dallas. You just stay there and you wait it out. And you're, you know, if you're going to have all this change for you career wise, you might as well, especially if you have a great option right there in your backyard, get that stability, be able to just ride it out there. And, you know, the one thing that stuck out to me in his conversation with Schefter was not hiding. This is about next step. He basically he made the decision when he wasn't able to get anywhere where he was going to play and be a starting quarterback, which you know is his his thing. Is I'm going to sacrifice essentially this year for the next ten for for the the net. What sets me up best? What is the best way for me to get set up for my next run? And that is. Going to a place where he can be a backup in a place that has tons of weapons, it's ready to win. And yeah, there is the possibility that Dak could leave and Andy could be right there to take over that machine with Amari Cooper who just signed a huge deal and they just drafted CeeDee Lamb and they've got, you know, they've got he's Elliott and all these linemen. I mean, that's a machine right there on offense that can, that can really go. And now you have a quarterback, uh, friendly head coach. A young OC, Kellen Moore. There's a lot to like there. And so when you take that and you put it all together, you know, he's obviously sacrificing. He's only going to get three million if he doesn't take a snap up to seven. I mean, you lose a lot of money. If you're going to be doing that anyway, do it in your backyard, do it in a place where, hey, if, if this situation doesn't work out with Dak after this year, they can then go and pay. If Dak's going to insist on 40 mil or bust, they can tell him bust and give Andy 17 and spend the other 23 on players. So it gives them options and he get, gives him an option to possibly be there next year. Maybe he gets in and plays. Maybe he doesn't. Maybe he just learns and then he hits the market in a much more friendly quarterback market next year. For that reason, it, it's sacrifice, it's sacrificing now for, for a, a bigger picture next year, basically. And really it's not that big of a sacrifice. I mean, he, He's made great money over his career. It's, it's, it's not that big of a hit this year to, to even if it is just three to, 
it's a like you said you're you're sacrificing this year for for the long term because either way if he comes in and plays well and and they go on a run or even if if he's just a solid backup on a good team there I mean there's going to be an interest in, in Andy Dalton as a starter somewhere next year and he he's he's going to get back up into that that starting quarterback money but what I would think is really interesting is I don't know the dynamic with, with Dak and the Cowboys, but if, if he, like, he doesn't seem as agreeable about the tag as AJ Green. And if he does, or if he was thinking about holding out in training camp, the, the Cowboys just bought either something to ensure against that or something to totally dissuade Dak Prescott from doing that. And really it, even if it all works out and Dak is the starter, he plays every game of the year. Andy is, you couldn't ask for a better veteran backup quarterback just for the the time he spent in the league, but just what he showed last year here in Cincinnati, those three games that he benched where he was completely behind Ryan Finley and doing everything he could to help him. That's what you want from a backup quarterback. And you know, you're getting that from Andy Dalton. He's not a guy that's going to go in there and, and rock the boat. It just, again, it, it all makes so much sense now after it happened. Uh, yeah. Just funny that I didn't see it beforehand. I can't imagine being a player and saying, I'm not going to take this $27 million franchise tag for one year. I can't, I just can't imagine a scenario where anybody would do that. And I, I don't think that's going to be the case. I, there's, I would highly recommend uh, our Dallas folks uh, have the Dallas side of this equation. Um, Bob Strum and, and everybody down in our Dallas side of things. So if you want to read more or listen to their podcast, um, they have more uh, from the Dallas side of how this plays out. One thing you said that I don't know about and that I think isn't a really interesting undercurrent of this decision for by Andy, and that is do we really know that next year he'll be viewed as a starting quarterback somewhere? He wasn't this year. And granted, there were more options for people on the table. So potentially there will be less options next year for teams to fill what they feel to be a quarterback need. But you have such an influx of all these young QBs. And that's part of, that's really a big part of this right now is the changing of the guard. Whereas we went years where we just weren't seeing a ton of quality young quarterbacks come into the league, really the first half of last decade. And so you had a lot of guys who just held their spots down. Well, now, the last three years, look at the first rounds. Three, four, five quarterbacks going in the first rounds alone. And you had all these young guys. And next year, it's going to be Fields. It's going to be Trevor Lawrence. You're going to have a league where, you know, 15, however many starters are going to be on their rookie deals or, or really young or, you know, where an, a guy in his thirties, you know, is who doesn't have a lot of years where he looked like a great quarterback is might have a hard time finding a starting job again, might just need to just find the right spot to pick and choose. Um, you can only hope to have a Ryan Tannehill scenario happen for you. You can only hope. And that I think we might find that to very much be the exception more than a rule. I mean, he's to prove that he's he's hoping for injury and then to go out there and kill it. Because they're not going to bench Dak as long as he's there. Not certainly not this year. And maybe it's different going forward. You know, maybe you look at a situation, you say, Hey, I don't know. If the if the virus starts going around and you have to start quarantine, who knows? You'll be playing a season where people could be getting quarantined. Teams, yeah. know, there's so many unknowns about this. We're having a backup quarterback might be more important than ever this year. Sorry, Bengals fans. Uh, <laughs> <laughs> uh, and so, I, I you know, there's a lot of elements to this. To me. I think it just so much goes back to, look, let's just ride this storm out in our house. Stability for me, my family. This is Andy Dalton we're talking about. Dad, family man, extraordinaire type. You know what I mean? Got our house in Dallas. Got a good situation. We could hop in as a backup quarterback in Dallas. Let's just stay here, ride this out, and come out the other side. Really, the way a lot of us are looking at life right now. Let's just hunker down and ride this baby out and come out the other side and then start thinking about other decisions. You know? 
and hope that other that other side is right around the corner. Exactly. Uh, run past or boot. I got a run past or boot for you here. Okay. Run past or boot 2021 Andy Dalton is in Dallas, a starter elsewhere, or a backup elsewhere. Run past or boot, Jay. Uh, I'm going to stick with what I said before. I'm going to, I'm going to run with a starter elsewhere. I just think that there's, there, there's going to be middle of the pack to back of the pack teams that are, I, I don't have the list in front of me of, of which quarterbacks are going to be free agents next year, but there's going to be teams that are, that are going to be needing a starting quarterback, whether through injury or they're, they're not willing to pay the guy they have, guys that aren't going to have a shot at a Trevor Lawrence or a Justin Fields. Um, I, I just, I think there's a spot for Andy Dalton. Um, it, it may not be that long-term quarterback of the future type of deal, but it could, I, I could see him, you know, sign in a, a, a shorter term deal to come in and, and be more than a bridge quarterback for a team. Um, so I'll run with that. I'll run with him as a starter. Um, this next one's tough because I, I do think if you playing the percentages, a backup would be the smarter play, but, uh, I'm going to pass on him staying in Dallas. Um, whether it be if there are no starting options available, then what, what better place? Like you said, you're, you're at home, you're on a winning franchise. Um, you've got, uh, just an injury away from, from being the guy on the team, um, nationally. Uh, it's still America's team, no matter how much people like to hate the Cowboys. So I'll pass on him staying in Dalton, and I'll boot being a backup. I just, I think that's worst case scenario for him. Uh, don't think that's anything he's interested in in happening, and he he will kind of control his own fate by being a free agent. So I'll I'll boot the backup. I agree with you on that. I will boot the backup as well. I, I, the idea of leaving a place that he is the backup to go be a backup somewhere else. Um, t- wouldn't make a ton of sense to me if he was gonna if he didn't see a starter job out there he would be best to just stay in Dallas and I'm sure Dallas would keep him I'm sure he'll make a great impression on that organization just like he did here in Cincinnati I will run with staying in Dallas because I don't just don't know that there will be a guaranteed or even a serious shot at a starting job anywhere I just don't know that and I also think there will be a chance that he'll be a starting job in Dallas. Mm-hmm. You know, so at the if I'm playing my bets here, and I'm tr- trying to play my percentages. There's a chance there's a starter job open in Dallas that he knows he could s- sink into. There's also a chance that there's no starter job anywhere that really wants him, so that he just stays in Dallas as the backup. So that's why I'm gonna. I feel like the percentages swing that to me to run with Dallas. And I'll pass on being a starter elsewhere. So maybe there is something open, but I, you're right. Leaving Dallas to go be a backup again in a new place definitely doesn't make much sense, but we shall see. Like all things, we shall see. Um, John Ross decision happened this week, Jay. Yeah, all that happened a long time ago. Yeah. <laughs> a year. I, I mean, I'm trying to think. When was the first time? I don't know when we even talked about the fifth-year option the last two or three months just because it just wasn't even a th- – it was so clearly not a thing that would happen. Yeah. I mean, honestly, that probably was made the day Tyler Boyd signed his contract, which was the day before training camp. That was before A.J. Green even tore his leg up. Was the day the day Tyler Boyd did that. You, it was it was assured that you just there's no way you're going to pay that many receivers that much money. They're already in towards the top uh, for paying receivers in the whole league before they even would consider a, the insane astronomical figure of one year and sixteen million dollars for John Ross. It was just never ever ever a consideration ever. I mean, even if they didn't draft T Higgins, and even if they knew. AJ wasn't coming back next year. It's still, they're not paying John Ross that money. He, he just hasn't proven he can stay healthy. He hasn't proven that he's, he's worth it when he is healthy. He's had his moments, but I mean, this was, this was in line with the decision not to give Seto Boyhe a fifth, a fifth year option. It just, it, it never made sense ever. And 
like I said, this was this decision was made a long time ago before it became official. Yeah, yeah, absolutely. So, what is John Ross's future? I mean, to me, it's it's fairly simple, and it, and it helps explain why you wouldn't do this. His market value is not going to be a sixteen million dollar receiver, even if he came in and had a breakout year this year. I mean, no team because of his injury history and inconsistency is going to give him sixteen million dollars or anything near that. Even if he has a great year, because there's still I don't know he's got hurt a lot. He's only done it one year. You know, and and what are the odds of that happening? Not great. So more than likely, the Bengals hope they want every. It's in everyone's best interest, John and the Bengals, that he comes in and has a great year and does have a breakout year and makes himself a lot of money in the process. But there is no play that he can have really that is going to get him that money. So he plays well. He plays great. You hope he finds. A connection with Joe Burrow and they, they reconnect here in this system with Zach Taylor and it all looks great here. And they find his market value and reach a deal with him sometime, uh, in free agency or when the season ends. And that is more likely. And what would that look like? You know, I don't know, eight, 10 million. Who knows? It depends on how he plays, what he, what, what, what you're even talking about. But, um, he can make himself a lot of money this year. But he would never be able to make himself – his market would never be that. It would be half of that at best. And so that's why this is easy. But that doesn't mean he doesn't have a – he has now has a ton to play for this year. I mean really his his future in the NFL, he needs to go out and have a year where he can prove it and put it together. Otherwise, he's going to be signing some sort of cheap one-year prove-it somewhere next year and trying to work his way into a rotation – and, you know, then you start getting into the world of how long until this guy busts out of the league. And really, it, it, it's I have a hard time seeing him here next year. Because if he does have that that year, that great breakout year that they've been waiting for, he, he kind of prices himself out of a, a Bengals roster that's that's heavy at the position. I guess a lot would depend on what happens with A.J., but if he if he goes the other way and has a, another injury riddled year or even a healthy year where he doesn't perform, then the Bengals aren't going to be interested in bringing him back. It just it, it seems like this is the the final ride for for John in Cincinnati, and either he's going to make himself a lot of money with another team, or as you said, he's going to be on another team on a on a small prove it deal. But I just don't I don't see him back here next year. The only way he comes back if he's like perfectly average. <laughs> which is possible. He, he sh- which is possible. He's 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 done some of that. If, if he gives you some flashes, maybe they find a nice little role for him as this like fourth or fifth receiver, whatever he's going to be in this offense, where they create some sub packages and spots for him, red zone weapon, whatever it is. Uh, finds a niche, but he's still kind of inconsistent. They can sign him to an okay deal, give him like one year, four or five. Eifert him, you know, incentive based, mm-hmm. right? You could see, you could see an Eifert future for John Ross. Um, incentive based and John comes back hoping to, in the same system and, uh, get healthy and then he can go get a deal somewhere, you know, and see, see Eifert in Jacksonville cashing in a little bit. Uh, maybe that's what his future probably looks like right now, but he's got to go have that. He's got to go do, continue to do some stuff and stay relatively healthy. Um, that's John Ross. That's enough. Um, <laughs> I just, I, we spent, we spent so much time on that dude. And, and I get it because he's a prominent bust. And it, you know, these fifth year options are a great time to look back at the drafts. Oh, the regrets. Every team in the top <laughs> 10 has, you know, four of the top five picks did not get their fifth years picked up. Only Miles Garrett, number one overall, got his fifth years picked up. You've got Ross in there. The Titans didn't pick up Corey Davis. The Chargers did pick up Mike Williams, who's been the best of those three guys that went in the top. Bengals know on John Ross. I mean, you got the Fournette pick in there. Oh, the Trubisky picks. You know, they went up. So many regrets when Deshaun Watson and Patrick Mahomes end up being the stars of the draft class at 10 and 12. And it goes to show, man. Coin flip game. You think you know, but you have no idea. This is the story of the NFL draft. You know, it's just, that's what it, it's the tough game. The Bengals, uh, they, they, they took it on the chin on that one. 
Yeah, and I think a lot of people would say it was it was that one was not quite a coin flip. There there was a lot of head scratching when when the pick was made, and there's been a lot ever ever since. But you're right. There's you just don't know. You 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 draft these guys. I mean, even though he was later, you look at Billy Price. That was he was. If the Bengals didn't take him in the first round, someone was going to take him up that high. It wasn't this crazy off the board pick. And then you just look how he's panned out. You you just never truly know uh, with these guys how they're going to pan out and that might scare some Bengal fans with Joe Burrow he that one feels like you do know you, you do feel like what you're getting there as much as you can you know yeah as much as you can know I mean you don't you even even when you're knowing as much as you can you still are is still a chance there's still a chance that it that it, it doesn't come together but uh, we shall see. Uh, I think when you looked at the total fifth year options, it was, about, it was almost an exact coin flip. Almost exactly half of first round picks got exercised. The other half, bye bye. Uh, it doesn't mean that some of them won't still sign second contracts with their teams, but that's unlikely. Um, but yeah, Bengals <laughs> not not a great run of getting those fifth year options exercised. Mm-hmm. Um, so let's talk about the schedule. Uh, that is going to come out on Thursday. Uh, it is going to say that all the games are going to start in September and the Super Bowl is going to be in February and all the things that you would normally have expected, even though we don't know if that's going to be the case at all with the uncertainty of everything. You know, a lot of the reporting that's out there now, Peter King really dove into it deep on his um, Football Morning in America. You know, there are there appears to be this second option of flipping the first four weeks of whatever the schedule is onto the back four weeks if they have, and that that gives them an opportunity to start in mid October and push the Super Bowl back to the last Sunday in February in Tampa. So you're still having the Super Bowl in February. You're just pushing the season back. You're running no bye weeks, no down week between the conference championship. In the Super Bowl, the bottom line is this is just going to be a super unique year. And, and you know, I thought something was interesting was the idea that the owners are on the side of if they had to make a choice between starting in mid October with fans versus starting in September with no fans, they would take the fans, and because there's just so much money that teams could lose up to a hundred million dollars per team based on having to play a season without fans, which is. That's decent cash. Yes. Yeah. <laughs> and you wonder too, I mean, how, what would, a gambling and fantasy and that, that's going to keep it going anyhow. But I mean, how appealing of an experience would it be watching a football game with no fans? I think baseball is a little different. It, it, it is. The pace of it kind of lends itself to that a little bit more. But but football might be just really weird and awkward with no fans. I I, I don't know how that would work. So I agree. I, I think that they they would much rather do that that option. And then that sets up the question of how do they construct the the schedule? Do do they go ahead and and put more divisional games in those first four weeks? thinking that that's a realistic option of flipping those first four to the back four or do they just construct the schedule as they always have and backload it with with divisional games or do they do they do a a total safeguard and and make it it all eight final games or divisional games in case they can only play half a season I, I, that's what fascinates me most about this is is how they're going to construct this the schedule and build in these contingency plans. That would be very interesting if you had, well, I guess it would be the final six weeks, right? With, uh, yeah, they, the final six. Yeah. If you had the final six weeks all in division play, just to assure that you get all of those in, in some capacity. Yeah. I, you know, I don't know. That would be really interesting to, to see when they, when it comes out on Thursday. Um, to a reminder of who the Bengals have on their schedule. Uh, home games, uh, in division, of course, you know, Baltimore, Cleveland, Pittsburgh, uh, Andy Dalton and the Cowboys, Tyler Eifert and the Jaguars, uh, coming to Cincinnati, the Giants, 
the Titans, and the Chargers also uh, coming to Cincinnati next year. And then you go away games, obviously Baltimore, Cleveland, Pittsburgh, at Houston, at Indy. Shout out to Quick Drive. Uh, assuming we're allowed to go to any of these. Uh, Philadelphia, Washington, and Miami. So, scene of the crime, Miami. Uh, Joe Burrow going into Miami and dousing them would be really... <laughs> it would be a fitting, a fitting, uh, you know, sequel to last year's debacle. Uh, what, what is most, what, what do you, what do you think sets up as a best case scenario for the Bengals out of this group and the order that they're put in? Or what, what are you, what are you looking, what are you most looking forward to seeing besides what we discussed earlier with the pandemic stuff? Well, one thing I want to see is another contingency with the, with the schedule is, this was the year that the Bengals were going to get a home opener. You know, they requested one in 2017 for the 50th anniversary. That, that's the only one they've had since, since 09. Um, and a lot of that has been mandated by the, the MLB schedule with the Reds being home on NFL kickoff weekend. And that is not the case this year. And I wonder if the NFL schedule makers are going to have to say, we don't know what's happening with baseball. We just have to assume the schedule is what the schedule is going to be. And I do, I think that that will lead the Bengals to getting a, a home opener, um, this year. Um, the other interesting thing is <clears throat> the, the primetime games. You, you would not think a two and 14 team would, would get more than the one mandated one, but, um, I think there's a real chance that 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 game at Washington could be a prime time game in that it's the number one overall pick versus the number two overall pick, Joe Burrow versus Chase Young. Um, and, and it feels like Bengals Cleveland is, is just destined for a a Thursday night game at, at some point in the season. But, you know, will that be it? Or is the allure of Joe Burrow enough to, to get them, uh, more, more time on primetime. Was it too late to sneak Dallas at Cincinnati into Monday Night Football? Yeah, well, if we yes, knew Andy I was the starter, so. then wow, that would be that would be something. The chance of getting a home game into primetime, to me, your best bet is probably Baltimore. I mean, Baltimore is going to be primetime gold. Everyone wants a piece of Lamar Jackson mm-hmm. and their show. Uh, so I would, I would think if you're looking for what games could possibly end up in prime time, Baltimore always stands out. Pittsburgh is always in that mix because that just seems like that's always what happened. But there's so much of that rivalry that's not really a thing last anymore with the ch- all the changeover. So much of that is that that luster's gone. Um, so if you look, to me, I just think that Baltimore game potentially Dallas, uh in Cincinnati. They're looking to get Burrow into primetime at some point there. The road games, uh, you know, maybe Burrow, maybe they find interest in Burrow in Miami, you know, but that's, that's two teams that were real bad last year in a primetime slot. I can't imagine that having much allure, but I, you know, I think, the, I think somebody will have interest in trying to get Joe Burrow into primetime. Absolutely. And what that is, you know, I think matching him up with Baltimore to me is my if I'm picking if I'm if I'm trying to predict here I'm saying Bengals Ravens home ends up with uh prime time whether Sunday Sunday or Monday I'll say Sunday if I'm trying to hit it right on the button or Thursday if they only get one game it would probably be a Thursday and I think uh, they'll get I think they'll get I think they'll have, well, first of all, they didn't have a Thursday last year, so I feel like they can't get out of that this year. So I think they'll have a Thursday, and I think they will have one other primetime game. That's my guess. So, well, I guess we can run past or boot it then. Okay. How many prime, how many non 1 p.m. games? One, two, or more than three? Cause look, they have, Houston is the closest thing to getting out of, to a non-Eastern time zone. So you lose – you're not going to have the 4 o'clock Oakland or the 4 o'clock Seattle. 
So there's a whole lot of chance. You, th- there's at least a slim possibility for the, the scribe dream, the all 1 p.m. Sunday schedule. That would be incredible. I don't incredible. think we get that. I don't think we get that, but we would, of course, get it and then not be allowed to go to the games. I would – I'm going to I'm gonna run with two on that because I think another sneaky one is Indy just because with more, more and more calls about, you know, the, the – the injury, the travel, how how inconvenient Thursday games are, but that's just that's not a ratings juggernaut. Bengals against Indy on a Thursday night, but it is interesting that it is such a short trip, and that that would be from that standpoint, it would be an ideal Thursday night game. But um, yeah, I'll, I'll run with I'll run with the two. I'll pass on the one, and I'll I'll boot the three or more um, just because they were two and fourteen, and and I do think money will drive this even more than ever uh, in ratings with, with the possibility of there not being fans for a decent chunk of the season. Yeah, I will, uh, I'll, I'll run with two. I'll pass on three or more and I'll boot one. I think, I yep. think they end up with more. I, and I think they might sneak in a random four just because of some TV stuff or something like that at some point. Um, I think there, I think there'll be some love for Burrow, even if it's into like a, a four o'clock hole for CBS or something like that. So, nah, that's my thought. Uh, we shall see again. That'll come out Thursday. Um, and we'll have the schedule for a season that we don't know is going to happen. All set. <laughs> or so a that. schedule in that scheduled order. Yes. Yeah, exactly. So who knows? But yeah, that, that will obviously be fascinating to see how it plays out. Plenty of time to discuss it during a three hour show on NFL Network. <laughs> three hours. What are you going to say? Here's the schedule. No one wants to talk about it for three hours, but you got nothing else. No one wants to, yep. you know, no one wants to, to watch, uh, you know, intramural marbles either, but yet we're kind of there, aren't we? I'm not yet. <laughs> Are you going to get on the KBO league gambling? Uh, no, not that end of it, but I do want to watch. I haven't watched it yet, but I, now that it's on ESPN, it's easier to access. I, I do, uh, want to check it out just to, just to kind of get that fix of watching live sports. Um, there, there has not been. Anything else? I, I guess there are other things. There's some soccer leagues going on, but I don't know if those are easy enough to find. I yeah, I, some of that I stuff's starting appreciate. to kick. More of it is starting to kick up, which is slightly encouraging. Yes, but I do appreciate ESPN making it easy. I I, I will watch some KBO at, at some point this week. Last dance still going on. We're, every every week is just a countdown to the last dance starting. Like <laughs> it's been so good. Which by the way. I got to this is just like I know we brag on the athletic a lot and it sounds like disgusting salesmanship but I got to say I feel like we're starting to reach the point where there's just a story for everything and best moment of the entire doc for me is security guy who beats Michael Jordan in the quarters against the wall game and and shrugs on him <laughs> twice shrugs on him it was so sick the most competitive dude ever you can see it's clearly eating him he bets him takes his money throws the dumb quarter closer to the wall and he shrugs on him twice we have a whole story about that dude that we apparently wrote like a year ago matt fortuna oh really yes it's and it's fantastic (laughs) it's about how that guy is like oh was a legend but was a legend in his own right before michael ever came along you know he worked closely with jordan uh it is just fantastic. That and and the story behind that guy. Uh, immediately oh. they tweeted tweeted that out, and I was like, "Oh, we have a story on this," and read it, and it's it's as good as you could imagine. So good that and old our old friend Zach Buchanan, uh, who yes. used to work here in Cincinnati, my my colleague uh, at the Inquirer back in the day, on the, who was on the Reds beat. Now he does Arizona and uh, and um, uh, minor league stuff. Wrote a story on found all. The players that played with Michael Jordan uh, when he was doing minor league baseball and stories about the pickup. They would play pickup basketball with them on Sundays. The stories are just incredible of dudes just getting demolished and embarrassed and dunked on and him talking trash to them and just wanting to go one-on-one with anybody he didn't like. Sort of the same way he did to anybody that Jerry Krause thought was okay. It's like, does Jerry Krause like you? Yes. Let's go. I will destroy your soul and your family. (laughs) 
<laughs> but it was just like it's such a great story. And you can what would it, like? Can you imagine playing pickup basketball with Michael Jordan in his prime as like a just a dude? <laughs> I mean, yeah, those guys probably didn't mind getting they, – they just did it for the experience and to tell their grandkids about it. They, I, I'm sure no one was put out by getting destroyed by Michael Jordan. I, I did see that, that – you linked, you tweeted that, that story. I've got that one bookmarked to read. I, I can't wait to read that one. So, so good. It's just so good. Uh, all right, so that, that wraps us up. I do – I want to thank again. We've kind of been doing this every week, but I want to – I was really struck. It was just really cool to uh, see so many people that read, uh, commented, subscribed uh, from the, the story this week. I, I just cannot, I do not have the ability to get to so many people that were in the mentions uh, and in the comments. Thank everybody for for any kind words, even the mean ones. I appreciate it for, you know, reading and, and following along and being interested uh, in the story. Um, and thanks to all of our subscribers. Like, I know it's tough. Uh, right now on a lot of people and we just have so much appreciation for those of you that choose to support and value journalism and all the work that we try to do here to make it um, valuable and worth your money. Like I know anytime anybody says, oh, I subscribed, uh, thanks for that, whatever. No, thank you because you know, we know that that's a, uh, out of pocket expense and we gonna work uh, our tails off to make sure that you know, you feel like it's worth it and the value's there for you. Or you got 90 days on a free trial and you can just dip out. <laughs> you got that too. But, uh, I just want to thank everybody. It's just, it's awesome everybody that continues to subscribe and support us here because we're, you know, we're doing our best to try to bring quality stuff that gives you insight to your teams, uh, and these, and players and coaches and all the people surrounding it. So thanks to everybody. On that note, let's get out of here. <laughs> let's get back to work. Jay doesn't want to thank any of you. I I thank them all the time, and I, I agree with everything you said. And if you're listening to this podcast, you have probably already read Paul's piece. But if you haven't, you you have to. Um, it is, and if you haven't subscribed yet, this is the perfect chance to jump in on that net 90 day free trial. It's, it is a terrific read. Uh, really sets up how the whole off season came into came to be um but yes thank i i i said i thank people all the time for subscribing for reading for commenting and and that was before the pandemic and now more than ever it it it, it really does mean so much that that people are willing to invest uh wh- when there are more pressing needs and not just invest their money but invest their time uh in us so thank you everybody well, th- and thanks everybody for listening to the end of this podcast. And if you uh, have a chance and you want to know more, more of the in-depth behind the sto- story, behind the story, story, uh, the quadcast still up from last week. All four of those episodes are still there to dive in uh, with Mike Potts, Brian Callahan, uh, with CJ Uzama and, and uh, 50 West owner and huge Bengals fan, optimistic Bobby, Bobby Slattery. Oh, and congrats to uh, 50 West and Bobby. You know, we talked last week on it about how they were opening – their burger bar, um, you know, we're big on supporting local business here. It is, you guys have, I mean, people have come out in droves. They talked about how they needed to make, to to open a burger bar in this environment, their new facility that they were going to do. Uh, they, they needed to hit a certain number per week, make a certain amount of money per week to make it happen. And there was a lot of, you're scared and nervous. And you heard, if you listen to Bobby talking about last week, it's just this whole new world that you just got to kind of try to embrace and find new ways. Guess what? They're, they sold, they were just selling out on a daily basis. They hit that weekly number that they need to operate in a single day last week, in their first day. So people have come out all over the place, just driving up, doing the pickup, the curbside. People are sitting and tailgating in their parking lot, basically sitting in the back of their cars because they're not, they can't go into the beer garden yet. Uh, but you can, you know, sit there and get your food. And so it's, it's really cool to see the way everybody has come out to support all local businesses, not just 50 West, but, um, you know, awesome to see stuff like that. So anyway, thanks everybody that's been doing that. Uh, all right. I'm out of here. Hope everybody has a good one. We'll talk to you next time, uh, on here, the podcast crowd. Have a good one, everybody. <laughs>